folks, this is 13 and 3, otherwise known as Mogi and JC, welcoming you to another great episode of the Breakout Sessions podcast. This episode is sponsored by Computer Recovery Associates and Dooley's Pub. We would like to welcome our featured guest to the podcast, Nucleus Advisors Managing Director and Partner Peter Byrne, Senior Associate and Client Relationship Manager Jesse Mushler, Client Experience Specialist Krista Minto, and Client Associate Kendall Hufford. However, today on this podcast, we are going to switch it up a little bit, and we're going to have our special guests first. Moog? Oh, I'm so excited. We are just a little bit south of Eau Claire, Wisconsin, in a in a phenomenal warming shack. And when I say warm, I mean it. I had a, a hoodie on and, a, and a, my hockey jersey, and I walked in here. It's got to be 100 plus degrees, um, but it's good for my weight loss that I'm working on right now. But uh, we're here at the Regor House. And we have two young ladies that are going to share the podcast with us today, JC. Yes, we have got sisters Olivia and Charlotte for the show. Olivia, can you tell our listeners who you play hockey for? I play for the ECA Stars 10U level. And how old were you when you started to skate? Two years old. Two years old. Is that because your dad and mom said you got to get out there, or don't you even remember at that time what it was like to be on skates? I don't remember. <laughs> no, I bet you don't. And Charlotte, who do you play hockey for? I play for the Stars 8U. And how old were you when you started to skate? Two. You both were two years old. That's wow. pretty good. And uh, Charlotte, what do you like best about playing hockey? That you can skate with your friends. Oh, that's kind of cool. Do you have some teammates that you want to give a shout out to that you don't want to say who they are? You can, nope, okay, that's fine. <laughs> All that's right. Fine. No problem. <laughs> and, and Olivia, what do you like best about playing hockey? Getting to know your team and just having fun with them. And do you have any teammates that you want to shout out to? Um, like my entire team. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> yes. And Charlotte, or excuse me, Olivia, have you had the opportunity to get any assists or goals this year? I've had one goal so far. Oh, and did you guys win that game? Yeah. And was it the, was it the game winner? Mm, it was towards the beginning of the season, and I think so. Oh. All right. That's a gr oh, great way to start the that's season. great way to start the season. How's your team doing so far? Good. We actually made it to our level of state. Oh, nice. Congratulations. Yeah. Charlotte, what position do you play? I don't know. Don't know? Okay. And how often or how many times a week do you guys have practice? Two times? Mm -hmm. Two times. Okay. And have okay. you ha have you played any games yet? Yes. And how many games do you think you've played? Like 15. 15. Very good. And then have you scored any goals or gotten any assists? Yes. All right. And did that feel kind of cool? Mm-hmm. It did. And when you scored a goal, did you get a good pass from one of your teammates? Yeah. Do you remember what teammate sent you the pass? No. Okay. <laughs> so, Charlotte, do you have uh, like a thousand goals or one goal or somewhere in between your brother and your sister this year for number of goals you have? I've had two goals. Two goals. Okay. Sounds good. All right. So we noticed that you have a really nice outdoor skating rink here just outside the warming shed. 
do you gals get a chance to get out there and skate a little bit with your yeah. with your family and your friends and stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that fun? Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. What do you uh, practice on, Olivia, when you're out on your own rink? Um, we work on our edges a little and form of shooting. Oh, very good. Who's your instructor when you do that? Um, dad is, mom comes out and skates sometimes, and sometimes even when her friends come over, their um, parents coach too, so they help. Oh, that is kind of nice. Very nice. Everybody helping out. Yeah. So, do you want to keep playing hockey? Yes. All right. And next year, will you be on the same team or will you be on a different team? I'll bump up to 12 you next year. With the Eau Claire Stars? Yeah. Okay. Charlotte, do you want to keep playing? Yes. So you're liking it. Mm-hmm. You got a big smile on your face right now. That's kind of <laughs> cool. Now, I've got a very important question for you, Charlotte. Do you think that sometime as you get bigger and better, that you might be a better hockey player than your dad? No, okay. She was pretty straightforward she, on that yeah, one. Yeah, I think she knew that answer right off the bat, which I don't know. We'll see what happens. You know, kids these days. Yes, that's for sure. Very talented, very yeah. skilled. Absolutely. How about you, Olivia? Um, maybe. I'm not really sure. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> Give it a couple more years, see how it goes. So, Charlotte, my understanding is you have a, a pretty interesting nickname. Can you can you share what your nickname is with the, our audience? I don't like it. Oh, you don't like the nickname. <laughs> who who gave you the nickname? My uncle. Your uncle did? Okay. We won't put that on the on the podcast then if you don't like it. I don't want to embarrass you. Yes. Olivia, who were your coaches? Um, we have three. Coach Josh is the main coach for both A team and B team. Coach Pat and Coach CJ. All right. Are they you enjoy playing for them? Yes. All right. Moog, I think these young ladies have done a great job. What do you think? Oh, I think they've done just a phenomenal job. And and we we came in today and we were talking a little bit about, uh, I mentioned going to school tomorrow, and evidently they're not going to school. So what's up with you ladies tomorrow? What's what's happening? Going to the airport. to the airport to go to Florida. Go to Florida. Lay on the beach for a while? We're not going to the beach. You're not going to the beach, but it's going to be warm and sunny probably, huh? Yeah. Okay, sounds good. Then you can heal up from all the injuries from the year, huh? Yeah. All the bumps and bruises that you had. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Olivia, Charlotte, thank you very much for being a guest on our podcast. Thanks, ladies. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. All right. We're back now with our featured guests, Peter, Kendall, Jesse, and Krista. Welcome to the show, Mogi. Hey, this is very interesting format that we have here today. We're live with Peter in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and uh, the other three, I believe, are all in New York City, so uh, kind of spanning half of the country here to, to get this episode in, so we're, we're, it's a pleasure to, for, to have you folks join us here today. Thank you. Thanks, Mogi. John? Thank you for having us. Oh, you're welcome. Peter, we'll start out with, who is Nucleus Advisors? Um, Nucleus Advisors is a wealth management group that's based out of New York City. Uh, I'm one of the partners on the team, and uh, there's three other partners. There's a team of 18 of us together, and uh, we take care of ultra high net worth individuals in the business world, CFOs, CEOs, but about 50% of our business is involved with actors 
and actresses, entertainers, and professional athletes. And one of the areas that I focus on primarily is professional athletes and really from the uh, perspective of the NHL side of the business. Uh, however, we deal with some PGA players. Uh, we've had some dabblings in the NFL and uh, we're building out our business very aggressively in this. Uh, Jesse and Kendall are very instrumental in this uh, team that we put together and focusing on the athlete side of the business. And uh, this team is a unique team in the sense that, uh, you know, we're part of the, uh, we're on the 100 uh, best advisor list by Forbes. We're 42nd on it. Um, myself and my partners have been in the investment bank world for over, each of us, well over 30 years in the markets and uh, predominantly in New York City of being my partners. But I've I'm the one that's kind of been working all over the world prior to uh, going into the wealth management business. I was a currency trader for about 25 years. So Nucleus, uh, we're very proud of it. We're very proud of the people who work there and we're very focused in what we do and especially what you're interested in is how we take care of our athletes. Well, and that's the connection here. You know, obviously we're a hockey podcast and the connection with the NHL. And uh, we understand that uh, a lot of those guys signed some very lucrative contracts. And uh, I know that part of your role there with uh, your relationships with these guys is to help them manage that that uh, huge influx of cash because we know careers are short and lives hopefully are pretty long. So we need to make that money last as long as we possibly can. And that's where you guys come in. So, how, Peter, how do you build new client relationships with your group? Well, um, obviously the easiest way to build a client relationship is to have your existing clients as advocates. And uh, some of our clients are very good at advocating, some are not. But um, how this business got really started was with my relationship with a very close friend of mine, uh, a hockey icon in his own way, and I'm very biased that way, his name is Michael Gillis, and Mike had a, an illustrious career as a player. He went on uh, then to get a law degree back in Canada, where I'm from, and Mike then went into the uh, agency business in a big way and represented some of the greats of the game for a very long time, over a 15-year to 18-year period. And then he became the president uh, GM of the Vancouver Canucks. And his most recent job is he's the key consultant for the NHLPA. But Mike was very instrumental in, uh, in securing clients and introducing me to uh, his exclusive list, uh, and including my partner, Jordan Waxman, at the time. Uh, when we were with another firm. Recently, um, in, in 2011, uh, my partners joined uh, Hightower Advisors. Hightower is the group that's based out of Chicago. They're our umbrella. They run our regulation. They run everything on the back end for Nucleus Advisors because we're only one team of about uh, 80, 90, 100 teams in the country. And uh, at the end of the day, the real way that business is secured on our side is, is through the agents. And I have strong relationships in the agent business, and um, that has proven a, a very, very valuable track record 
because at the end of the day, we are strong believers that all that needs to be separate. The agent represents the client for the contracts, for getting him his job and getting him the right job. We take care of all the financial matters in the client's life, the athlete's life. And then the third part of it is the accountant needs to be separate. Hey, Jesse, is there a training session or face-to-face meeting on what the client can expect from you as an advisory group? Yes, um, absolutely. There are several sessions, I'd say. And, you know, there's definitely a learning curve. Um, We do our best to educate our clients as we onboard them. Um, You know, a lot of these athletes are young and have had their financial situation change almost overnight in many cases. So um, many of them have never worked with a financial advisor or team before. Um, So, you know, we have several meetings over the phone, Zoom or in person to give them an idea of what to expect and what to offer. So Jesse, uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say it's it's a lifelong education process and, you know, the the training goes both ways Um, for them and for us. You know, we're we're always teaching each other. (laughs) (laughs) Understandable. So when you do this uh, educating, do you do it in groups or do you basically run it as a case by case basis? Um, I would say that every client's case is unique. Um, and, you know, however, our managing partner and founder, Jordan Waxman, has participated um, in several seminars and speaking engagements for groups of athletes to share um, his experiences and advice. Um, but, you know, I think we have to take each client's consideration um, into or each client's situation into consideration because they're just so specific and unique. Um, but you know, there are several common denominators, especially with, you know, young athletes and, you know, again, one of them being, um, a sh- you know, short term sudden influx of cash. And we have to look at how to best manage that. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, right now we're in a status where our, our economy is an influx and, and we're in the pitfalls and, you know, rising, falling, you know, any number of things that are happening in our world today that create, different situations. And and as a result of that, Peter, you know, how do you go about discussing financial pitfalls to avoid once a person earns or assumes a significant amount of money? Well, um, John, what we do is obviously from experience over many years of dealing with athletes, um, one of the ways that we do it, uh, we wrote a book and I believe I gave you guys a copy of it. Jordan and I prepared this book with another fellow in New York City, but it was our idea. It's called Pro, uh, 13 Ways Pro Athletes F the Golden Goose. Um, and, and the reality is these are 13 short stories that are about athletes from all different walks of life, not just NHL players. However, there's several NHL players in the book. None of their names are mentioned. None of the athletes' names are ever mentioned. But... These are kind of like guidelines that we know that in life, athletes kind of have a bullseye on their back. And when they finally arrive, whether they're in the National Hockey League, the NBA, Major League Baseball, or even the NFL, they're going to have people come out of the woodwork and always looking for them to put their money somewhere, somewhere to use. You got to buy this restaurant. You got to buy this gym. You got to own, you know, this 
hair salon or whatever it is. And the first thing that we always say to them is if anyone has a business idea, just send it our way and we'll work with you. We'll look at the financial statements. We'll look at the pro formas. We'll look at the business plan with you. And nine times out of 10, we never even get to that stage because there's never even a business plan or projected pro formas. So, you know, one of the things is the most important thing we can do for our athletes is take away the stress in their life of trying to make these decisions, financial decisions, away from the rink, away from the court, away from the football field, and put that in our hands, and we'll work with you on making the right decision. So um, I would answer also that it's, it's in the way experience has so much to do with it. We've seen it. We've seen it time and time again, the same patterns. You know, like as you can see on the book, we have 78% of NFL players two years after retirement are broke. 60% of NBA players after two years are broke. Those are, are true Ooh. statistics, and that should not happen in the real world. Thank God the NHL is a lot further down the curve. However, there are still several players, many players, end up not having the means to go on after their career which they should, because we all know athletics are paid very high in this country and in, a, in most of the developed world. We're going to take just a second here to introduce a brand new sponsor. We'd like to welcome Craig and Terry with Computer Recovery Associates. They specialize in removing, monetizing, and recycling computer hardware from large data centers. Whether you're looking to relocate, repurpose, sell, or recycle, Computer Recovery Associates can help. Check them out at www.computerrecoveryassociates.com. So, Peter, once you've uh, secured uh, a new client, how often do you discuss their goals? Um, well, all clients, you uh, athletes in particular, I make it a point to see them at least four times in person a year, physically in person. A uh, little difficult over the last two years with COVID. Sure but uh, manage to uh, keep up with that. Um, basically, every six months uh, or a life-changing event, let's say they have a newborn in their life, then we're going to revisit the goals. So if there's a life-changing event, we revisit the goals. If it's just the, their life is going on and I know they're working hard at their craft, then it's usually every six months I sit down and we always start out with our athletes uh, by building out a very strategic, in-depth financial plan. Because it's very important. It's just like building a house or building a building. You need to have the architecture. And that's where our architecture comes from. And then we get them on the savings plans and we say, hey, look it. You know, you, you said you could live on this amount. You should be able to live on this amount. And if you don't, where did the money go? So we're like checking up on them. So basically you're looking at really long-term financial planning with the Absolutely. athletes. Their, their lives are completely different than ours in the sense that most of us accumulate our wealth as we get into our, hopefully we've achieved our wealth, achieved our dreams when we're in our 60s or early 60s, 65. The athletes will probably make the bulk of their wealth 
between like a, in particular in the National Hockey League, I know for sure, having firsthand experience with these players is the bulk of them will make their wealth by the time they're 35 years old. Kendall, I've got a two-part question for you. And the, the first part is, what type of training do you need to do for the job that you have? Yeah, um, happy to kind of take this one. So um, to be a registered client associate, um, there are a few FINRA exams that are required. Um, at this point, they introduced recently the SIE exam. Um, it used to just be the Series 7 and Series 66, but the kind of broke out the Series 7 exam um, to two smaller exams. Um, but kind of beyond the, you know, exams and, you know, getting registered that way, it's really important to have, you know, client service facing, um, you know, emphasis on working with the clients and, um, you know, being present in their lives and just having... Um, a client first attitude um, when working with the athletes. Okay. And then, and the second part of my question is, is, you know, the company speaks of being quote, therefore, and quote, with your clients, you know, what does this withness mean to nucleus? Yeah. Withness is kind of the core of nucleus. It's one of our founding principles. Um, in general, witness is aiming to make a difference in our clients' lives. Um, we pay attention to the tension, whether, you know, that's stresses about the stock market or just about the future in general. Um, we kind of embrace the tension, embrace the highs and lows with our clients and stay present with them. Um, you know, one of the aspects of witness is that's a two-way street. Um, so, you know, we, we have to be... The, the clients have to be willing to engage with us, and we also have to engage with them and truly experience um, their lives with them and, you know, be, be with them the entire way um, along their journey. Okay. That kind of gives a good idea. Moog? Okay, going back to Peter. Peter, you were just talking about, uh, you know, reaching your financial uh, goals and uh, – making your hopes and dreams come true. And you talk about how professional athletes usually do that when they're pretty young mm -hmm. and, and normal folks like us kind of do that, you know, when we get a little bit older and uh, I just want to wish you a happy birthday and welcome you to the sixties club today, buddy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> proud to be back. Uh, proud to be in the 60 club there. Moby. Well, Hey, we're, yeah. we're on the right side of the dirt. That's yeah. the big thing. I always like to tell That's people. That's important. <laughs> it is. We are on the right side. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Hey, Jesse, you know, what does a successful client relationship look like to you? Yeah. Um, well, I find that the most successful relationships are rooted in trust, communication, kindness, openness, patience. There's obviously a lot of components that go into a successful relationship. You know, as you guys mentioned, witness is a huge part of that. I um, mean, those are all components of witness. So, you know, for me, I always take the litmus test. If, if I'm doing my job right, then I am the first person the client calls with a request. I'm the person that they trust to solve this problem, the first person they want to talk to. Um, you know, that's that's what I see as a, a successful client relationship. If, if we are their go-to person for whatever their question is, sometimes they, you know, do call us with those um, one-off 
questions out of the blue or these special requests. Um, so, you know, we always love a challenge and, you know, again, every situation is unique. So, um, you know, can't anticipate some of these uh, questions that they have for us sometimes. <laughs> well, you know, I like that part about you always like a challenge. I, I'm wondering if these uh, questions were curveballing at you have been a little bit of a challenge for you today. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. See, has stumped us. Yeah. I suppose. I suppose you pick up the phone. You never know what's going to be coming at you from the other end, right? Exactly. It keeps things interesting. Though. Very it's good. Always, you know, every day is different. So, Peter, if a client starts to make some financial decisions that you believe might not be in their best interests, how do you address this with them? Well, you. Uh there, there's several things that come across on that kind of a question. For example, you know, one of our jobs as uh, as advisors for athletes, as you can understand, like when we find someone in our lives, whether, you know, a partner to live with, um, most of us are coming to the relationship and we're going to build out our wealth together, right? So it's not like you're going to stand there and have a, at the end of the day, uh, you know, you're going to come out of college and say to your, hopefully if you meet someone and it's your fiance or something, oh, I need you to sign a prenuptial because I need, uh, you know, I need to be protected because I'm going to make a lot of money. Well, a lot of our athletes, they focus on what they have to do, which is getting to the National Hockey League and then becoming very, very successful at their craft and even getting better. And as they get better, they make more money. And as they accumulate these assets, one of the uncomfortable, obviously it's uh, an emotional thing, money has an emotion to it, is that, you know, you have to sit there and, you know, as you can tell their life's changing and they're meeting people or meeting someone that's very meaningful to their life, you have to say to them, hey, you need to protect yourself here. You have disability insurance, you have life insurance, you have insurance from the National Hockey League. You're insured to death because of your athleticism. You need to ensure the fact that you're going into this relationship, you've got to protect yourself. And that's what we're there for. And that's a, that's a difficult conversation to have with someone, you know, because some of them don't want to have that conversation. It makes it awkward. But if you're upfront and, and you know, it's, it's a call that we always, I have to make and I make in person. And uh, I've protected a lot of athletes over the years from falling into those pitfalls. I mean, um, not to digress, but, you know, I, I had a divorce in my life. And um, at the end of the day, it's a terrible thing to go through. But 50% of the regular world go through divorce in the developed world. In an athlete world, two years after they're retired, the percentage is a lot higher, okay, because their lives change drastically. Mm. They, you know, a lot of these athletes have done, they're very rigid. They've been told what to do all their life. Here's what you do. Show up at this airplane. Show up at this bus. Show up at this. Here's your practice time, et cetera, et cetera. And now all of a sudden, their lives, they have the money, but if it doesn't work out in their relationship then, you know, why should someone walk away with 50% of your entire nest egg, <laughs> right. right? So it makes, for, it makes for an interesting call. That's got to be a little bit difficult at times. So I imagine, uh, I, I can imagine your conversation with your client 
And then I think, okay, what about the client's conversation with that significant other? Absolutely. That's that's got to be too. That's got to um, be a tough one. There, there are situations where I've seen uh, on, you know, I know stories are good for you guys. So there's situations, and I've heard it only from back to them. You know, uh, some fiancés have thrown the ring back at the client and said, you know, well, whether or not you want to make a judgment, I mean, you know, I get it. It's it's an extremely difficult conversation to have, but there are athletes out there that I've seen that are not clients of mine, but have been on a, you know, very good friends of some of our clients. And at the end of the day, you know, they've ended up having, you know, these clients got a divorce and lost 50% of like $15 million. That's a lot of money. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's no reason that things can't be changed down the road. That's my view. You know, six, seven, eight years into the relationship. You know, we're going to take a break here and give a shout out to one of our other sponsors. Dooley's Pub is Ben Eau Claire's home for hockey and all sports fans since 2005. Dooley's Pub is a proud booster of the University of Wisconsin Eau Claire and all local high schools. Mike Dooley is located on historic Water Street, providing excellent food and service, and his people will give you a smile when you walk in the door. Mogi and I go there on uh, more than one occasion when we need to have a team meeting, and they always treat us very well. <laughs> Never yes, <they> hesitation. <laughs> you know, Peter, getting back to some stories, you know, we, we understand that there's there's limitations on what you can and cannot say, and that's obviously, you know, for privacy purposes. But, mm. you know, looking at your book, there are some great stories that are written in there. And I'd like to touch on one where there's one in there where you talk about making it rain. (laughs) Can you give a little bit of insight as to what occurred in that situation? Well, it's it's a two-pronged story. And first of all, this book was researched by a fellow. I'll mention him, his name, because he's a great, he was instrumental in the writing of the book. And his name is Jeff Johnson. And he's from Eau Claire, Wisconsin. And I knew Jeff... I lived in New York City and I moved out here in 0809 to Eau Claire. And Jeff Johnson is a great writer, a really good writer. He's written for the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, Vanity Fair. He's interviewed some of the greatest actors and actresses in the business. And he's passionate about athletes, athletes. And one of the things, um, Jeff and I got talking about this book. So Jeff researched the part about the NFL football player, player in the first part of that story. And what it is, is the football player had spent a million dollars at a Vegas, uh, uh, call it a gentleman's club. (laughs) And at the gentleman's club, uh, you know, that's a lot of money. And then there was an actual client of mine through Mike Gillis. It was actually, he was one of my first NHL clients. And he was, all of his, he was playing for the, uh, back in the day, a team in the New York area. I won't go to the specifics. And he was getting, uh, you know, pulled over to New York City into one of these gentlemen's clubs. And then, you know, there was a bouncer there who was trying to pawn himself off as a financial advisor. And so the gist <laughs> of the story is that, you know, in, in, in a short end of it, I got a call from uh, my good friend, Mike, and Mike said, PD, do me a favor. Can you save this kid from putting, you know, with all these other guys that put their money through this bouncer into a deal in Mexico? 
And actually, all of it went sour, except our client did not go. We saved him. And, you know, those are the kind of success stories in our business that are very, very rewarding to us. So that's a, that's a great story that the person did take your advice. Have you ever had a client who did not take your advice? And then what happened to that relationship? Yeah, well, we, we did. And uh, ironically, we were just talking about it just before we started the podcast. Uh, myself and uh, a, a good recruiter that I use through the NFL, um, he's not a client, but I can mention his name, Jim Flanagan, a good friend. And he played 10 years in the NFL. Jim and I had secured a relationship in um, in in the NFL, and it was a first round draft pick. And anyways, um, we were so adamant, even with our my other partner who was on the phone, who runs our insurance end, that this individual definitely needed disability insurance. And the agent, when the agent finally got on the phone, he simply disagreed with us because he thought you know, this person is going to end up having a guaranteed contract. Well, we had got into some of the details, but to say the least, they didn't believe in our advice and they walked away from us. And it was too bad, but the most important insurance that athletes can put in their repertoire is disability insurance. Because let's face it, if their body isn't working, and it's broken and they can't go on to run anymore, skate anymore, or run up and down the court, they're not going to be able to do their job. And they're only one play away from they're that situ- away, situation. Especially in a, in a very physical sport Absolutely. like yeah. the NFL. Yeah. And hockey is a very physical sport as well. And not saying, I'm sure the, you know, the NBA is as well, mm-hmm. but... Well, look at all of those sports have got, you know, concussion issues where individuals could end their career at any moment as a result of that. And and I guess I'm asking you, when when you sit down and talk to these individuals about their financial portfolio, is that at or near the top of the discussion as far as that type of insurance? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Always is. And it's, um, it becomes so critical in the event, let's say they're in their last year of their contract. You have your first year, you know how the NHL works. You get your first contract and it's capped. You can only make like 1.2 million max. But, you know, usually, no, but (laughs) uh, usually after that, if you're good enough, you know, you get a really nice second contract. And your third contract is usually your most lucrative. And when a person is in their last year of their contract, disability insurance just doesn't become because we have what we refer to in the NHL is on ice, off ice. And the on ice becomes so critical because if he gets a puck in the eye and the eye, you can't, you you only have one eye, you probably can't play the game anymore. Therefore, you want to make sure you've added the economic value on the disability for the next four or five years. But it's expensive. And, but it's the best insurance, best money they'll ever spend in their life. You know, as you, you just mentioned one eye, we, one of our recent guests was, uh, the university of Wisconsin, Eau Claire hockey coach, Matt Lowen, who lost an eye in hockey is oh, a result really? of, Matty lost an eye. I never knew that. Yeah. yeah wow. He's uh, partially blind in one of his eyes, a uh, shot 
just wow. went underneath the shield and, and took him out. And, uh, wow. you know, that helped end his career a little bit prematurely, hmm. you know, but going along with that, you know, there's other things that you talk about regarding, uh, advice to some of the people that you deal with. And, and one of them is, is that you should not have your agent and your financial advisor as the same person. Absolutely. And there's been a well-known uh, professional hockey player at the end of his career that was close to penniless as a result of that, uh, you know, nightmare that he went through. Chapter four in our book. And and give give our listeners a little bit of insight into that, if you would, because that that is very important. Yeah, there is a. Um, as you're aware, the, the audience aren't don't have the book in front of them, but. This was one of the legends of the game, and uh, he should never have ended his career penniless. However, his agent was also his financial person, and uh, he chose not to tell this person that this particular team offered him 18% ownership in an NHL team in the 70s that would be worth a lot of money today. Instead, he scooted him down the road in a trade, a big trade and big money back in the 70s. Nonetheless, this agent ended up getting charged for fraud for all sorts of other criminal things and spent a couple of years in prison in Canada on the back of it. Do you as a group try to work with agents so that stuff like this doesn't happen? Or are you guys completely different entities that you know each of you has your own aspect with the player? Um, no, we work, uh, we work with a lot of agents and, uh, but we strongly, we work with no agents that have any say on our financial business. Um, my, my dear friend who I mentioned earlier, the reason why he would be an advocate for myself is number one, he knows my background and he knows my integrity. He knows my honesty and Mostly, he knows we are not going to screw this up for the for the athlete. So when you when you're an athlete, you know you get your agent and they work on get your contract and everything. And now they need financial advice as well. So is there a typical percentage that an advisor earns from their client's financial portfolio? Sure. Uh, our our primary source of income for our clients athlete clients is the assets that they put with us and that we manage for them. And we distribute those assets into various investments. Okay. It's going to go into cash. It's going to go into fixed income, equities, and alternative investments. Now we charge a percent, I should, a certain percent on those underlying assets. Okay, that's negotiated ahead of time. It's not an outrageous fee. It's usually somewhere around 1% of the underlying assets. But we also have a a la carte, like we we charge for our financial advising, building out a a very in-depth financial plan. We do get compensated in certain ways for doing insurance contracts. We do get compensated for helping the client with mortgages. I take on the role of, I have a lot of clients that have immigration issues. They come to America on what is called a, uh, a, um, a visa. And 
I, I strongly recommend to them if they like it, especially the Eastern Europeans or the Russians, they want to stay here. We need to get your green card. We need to, you know, so I dial sure. them in. Yep. I'm pretty tapped into the immigration side of it. And I tap them into the right lawyers and we get that thing done. But we don't charge for anything like that. And there's other auxiliary services that we do that we don't charge for. But overall, it's based on the percentage or the, the size of the assets that they have under management with us. Okay, thanks. You know, Jesse and Kendall, uh, we, we've kind of been burning uh, Peter's ear here a little bit. And I want to throw a question out to, uh, to Jesse. What was, what was your thought process or why did you choose to go into the financial business? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, you know, I mean, it's something that I've always had an interest in and I've always seen myself as a people person. I think, you know, at Nucleus, we see ourselves, um, as people who love people. So, um, this is just, you know, one way that we get to help them, um, and really take care of them. Um, you know, it's, it's something that I, I don't think I had ever really, um, thought of, I guess, like growing up. Um, but it just, it became a, a natural evolution for me. And, you know, I just work with these great people day in and day out on my team and our clients. Um, we, you know, we work with a high caliber of people. So it's great to be able to help them, you know, reach their financial goals and then see it translate into like a tangible impact um, in their lives um, and make a material difference for them. And we actually get to see it now with not only our existing clients, but the next generation of wealth. Um, so, you know, we are able to, you know, we have next gen leaders on our team and then we get to work with the next gen of wealth. So um, it's been, you know, a really impactful um, career for me. Okay. Well, that, that's yeah. fantastic. That is, you know, that and wonderful. Yeah. Uh, Kendall, you know, following on that footstep, you know, you had given some information to our listeners about the testing process that you went through to become a financial advisor. But previous to that, what type of educational background did you have that Nucleus, uh, you know, caught your eye that you wanted to work for them and, and they wanted to hire you? So I actually studied economics in college. I went to Boston University, um, which is a pretty big hockey school. They just won the, the bean pot recently, which is, um, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar, but it's a local tournament with the Boston schools of Harvard, BC, um, Northeastern, and BU. Oh, yeah. um, so is BU the, ter- are they the Terriers, studying- Kendall? Sorry? Are you guys the Terriers? Yes, we're the Terriers. There you go. All right. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we have a pretty good program there, but, um, after studying economics at BU, um, I actually went to hospitality, um, and I think that's, that was kind of one of the things where it was a nice intersection, um, when I eventually found myself at Nucleus was I had, you know, this client service hospitality background and also economics and, you know, it's always interested me in the wealth management, um, industry just because of the client facing aspects, but then also, you know, being in the financial um, field as well. So it was just kind of a perfect fit um, between me and Nucleus. Very good. Yeah. You know, and, and we've been talking about sports here. And uh, Peter, you know, you and your company obviously cater to 
uh, professional athletes, a- along with a-, a wide variety of other individuals. But you yourself are not a stranger to the game of hockey. You played growing up yourself. Absolutely. I, I am uh... absolutely. I'm a Canadian at heart and a Canadian and became an American about five years ago. Very proud to be American, but I'll always be Canadian first. No offense. Phil. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, the fact is Canada loves hockey, just like nor- Northern part of the United States. And uh, I grew up in Toronto. Toronto's definitely known as one of the meccas of the world. About 11%, believe it or not, of the entire NHL comes from a two hour radius of Toronto. Wow. Now, I never, I knew right away, I ended up going on and I played D1 hockey at the University of Western Ontario. It was a good business school. I went there like Kendall. uh, She went to school for economics. My major was economics and finance. And I went on and got an MBA from another university at Windsor. But at the end of the day, uh, playing that hockey, I realized quickly when I finally made, I made that team that year, we, unlike America, the NCAA, we would have ex-pros from the National Hockey League come back who were dropped down to the American Hockey League and weren't ever going back up again. And they could come back and go to school and play hockey. Oh, boy. And so <laughs> when you actually play against ex-NHL players who are just out of the league, you knew why you weren't going to make it. <laughs> But it was a lot of fun, and uh, it was it was very exciting. And both my boys, as you know, you guys have been to a couple of their games here in Eau Claire. Uh, I'm I love the game of hockey. I think it's fabulous, and it you know I've gotten to know you get to know your clients extremely well, and um, they're great athletes. They they just simply are great athletes. Like. Unlike other sports, they could go out and run around a football field. They could run around a court, but a, an NFL player probably can't go on the ice and skate like an NHL player. You know, first of all, it's done on ice and it's done on a very thin blade. And, uh, you know, the game, it, it's always in our hearts back home and we love it. I, I think that's a, a good ending to a great interview process here. Mulk, what do you think? Yeah, that was fun. I, I just, you know, we, we got together with Peter and his team because we wanted to, we always want to uh, investigate different perspectives of the game. And this was certainly an opportunity for us to go to a different perspective. We've spoken to agents, we've spoken to coaches, equipment managers, players, and this was a great opportunity with Peter, especially with him being local. Um, to get together with uh, talk about the financial aspects. So we greatly appreciate you folks' time and your expertise. And uh, yeah, just thanks so much for being on our podcast. Uh, I'd also just like to finalize by saying, you know, Kendall and Jesse and our team is, uh, you know, exceptional. They're just exceptional. They really strive for perfection they really don't miss a beat and they're amazing at what they do. And it certainly makes my job and life easier having such great colleagues. Yeah. Per- great. <laughs> you know, Peter, Kendall, Jesse, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. It was a pleasure being here. 
All right, folks, stay tuned for our Medical Minute. And for our Medical Minute today, we're going to welcome back Mike from Northwoods Physical Therapy. Mike, thanks for coming back. Thanks for having us. Uh, today, I'd like to talk uh, about a typical day in the life of a physical therapist. Now, there are different settings in physical therapy. I'm currently in an orthopedic private practice. We see orthopedic and sports-type injuries, such as sprains, strains, all, all sorts of fractures, overuse injuries, and different types of surgeries like rotator cup repairs, ACLs, and joint replacements. We evaluate these patients and develop a treatment plan. We typically see one to two patients per hour, averaging 10 to 14 patients per eight-hour day. The average length of an appointment is about an hour, so you can be managing two patients at the same time most of your day. So you stay fairly busy as a physical therapist. Uh, you do have time to take a break and have lunch between your morning and afternoon patients. One important thing to note, our treatments are hands-on, so it does require some manual work, manual therapy, and things like that to uh, really help patients improve. So physical therapy is really not a uh, sedentary type of job. Uh, the worst part of my day can be finding enough time to get paperwork done in a way that is effective on getting paid for your services, negotiating with insurance companies, and keeping up with all the changes in healthcare can also be challenging. The best part of my day? Well, I couldn't come up with a very good hockey quote, but I do remember what Aaron Rodgers said last year. It's about the people. And he's right. It's about the people you get to work with every day. It's the people you meet as patients and the relationships that you can develop with these people and all the things you really can learn from these. And for me, that's truly what uh, makes physical therapy and uh, a day in physical therapy a great day. And that'll wrap up that episode. So a huge thank you to our audience. We'd like to thank our featured guests, Nucleus Advisors, Peter, Jesse, Krista, and Kendall again. And a special thank you to our sponsors, Computer Recovery Associates and Dooley's Pub. Please remember to follow us on Instagram and Twitter and visit us at our website at thebreakoutsessions.com. And until our next episode, remember, stay on your inside edges. Yeah,